Hi, we're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Are. This is Sports Crunch with T-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Hope y'all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. My right-hand man, Hal, bet this off this week, cruising in the Bahamas, and pitching for him is my good friend, Carl Dumbler of Mile High Huddle. Carl, it's hard to believe that we are already two-thirds of the way through this 2023 NFL season, and the playoff picture as of right now is very intriguing. In the AFC, you have four teams at the top with eight or nine wins vying for that number one seed, and while the Eagles seem to be on track to get that number one seed in the NFC, the battles for the wildcard spots in both conferences are extremely crowded, with six AFC teams with six or seven wins, and six NFC teams with five or six wins. The bottom line is, we're in for some thrilling photo finishes of this race to the 2023 NFL playoffs aren't we oh for sure you know you're right this season is just flying by I keep thinking of all those commercials that they uh they talk about like uh, uh Sunday in Buffalo in, in January you know watching football and then we're getting to a, a a March day in Buffalo and how terrible it is with all the weather and stuff and you know I love when football's going on but it is it's a quick season and you know, these, these playoff spots, every game begins to matter. You know, I, I know since I cover the Broncos this week alone, you know, this game against Houston, their chances of making the playoffs double, almost doubles if they win this game, but their chances of missing the playoffs, if they lose almost doubles down the other way. So it's just that, that kind of pressure in one single game, it feels like a playoff atmosphere already. Yeah, I'm sure you can say the same about the Texans, too, in terms of the stakes for that game uh, this weekend. But before we get to that and the other games in Week 13, let's recap what we just saw in Week 12. What was your biggest takeaway from Week 12? Well, like you said, just a lot of these games that, especially divisional games, because they had great value. You had Rams versus uh, the Cardinals. Got to see the Rams kind of make a little bit of a a nice comeback, getting themselves back into the, the playoffs. Um, you got the the Bears and the the Vikings. Vikings now all of a sudden trending in the wrong direction after their five game win streak. Uh, you know you got the Bills versus the the Eagles. What a game! Same with the the Jacksonville game versus Houston. You know coming down to last second field goals, one team makes it, the other team doesn't. Uh, just just so many great games that were once again decided by a field goal or less, or a touchdown or less, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it just, it, it's been great football to watch and, and then some surprise teams that just continue to find ways to win games. You know, I, I keep thinking the Steelers can't be this team. You know, they don't have a great quarterback. Their offense has been doing so little yet. They still keep winning games. Same with the Colts, you know, Colts lose their starting quarterback and somehow they just keep squeaking out these wins every single Sunday. And, you know, it's kind of frustrating for me. Cause I'm like, I'm obviously wanting the Broncos to get into the playoffs, but these teams ahead of them keep winning and just making it a little bit harder, getting down to the nitty gritty and making that one and five start maybe a little bit uh, problematic for them moving forward. Fantastic points as usual, Carl. And my main takeaway from week 12 is this. You betcha that Bills-Eagles game. The Eagles are playing with the heart of a champion. They currently have the NFL's best record at 10 and one yet they haven't played their best football yet. The past two weeks against the Chiefs and Bills, they were outplayed throughout most of the game. 
and yet still found a way to win. According to NFL research, the Eagles are 5-0 and this season when trailing at halftime, and the rest of the NFL combined 35-129. and And as Greg Rosenthal of uh, NFL Media pointed out, the Eagles have been outgained by at least 100 yards in four straight games and won them all. That just says it all about how special and mentally tough this Eagles team is. They are absolutely playing with a champion's heart, and you shouldn't be surprised if they're the betting favorite to win Super Bowl 58 come January. And that is my big takeaway from Week 12. And now it's time out to hand our weekly honors, starting with our all-caps goat of the week. And this is a goat isn't a hero, not a goat isn't a goat, if you know what I mean, Kyle. And my goat of the week honors goes to Falcon safety Jesse Bates III because of that pivotal game for first place in the uh, somebody's got to win in NFC South. He almost single-handedly won that game for the Falcons. The Saints were in the red zone in the first quarter, yet he picked six as Derek Carr, and the Saints are driving to potentially score a go-ahead touchdown late in third quarter, and then he strips Taysom Hill. He stole 14 points away from the New Orleans Saints, and he is a reason why the Falcons currently see themselves in first place in that division with six weeks left to go. Who is your all-caps go to the week, Carl? I'm going to go with Kyron Williams, the running back of Los Angeles Rams. Uh, you know, this is a guy been kind of struggling up and down with some injuries this year and the Rams, another team needing a win if they're going to keep their playoff hopes alive. And I know they were just playing the Cardinals, but Cardinals now with Kyler Murray looking a little bit dangerous can, you know, maybe sneak a game here or there. And, and the Rams went out there and just absolutely dominated. Williams was a big part of that. Uh, I think he had over 200 yards total as a, as a runner receiver uh, got to the end zone twice. So just, you know, again, one of those players just out there making plays for his team, keeping them in this playoff hunt. And, you know, I, I just, I, I always love the Rams offense just because Sean McVay always finds a way to get something going. I know they've been decimated by injuries a lot of years here, these last few years since they won the Super Bowl. But again, when they need it, somebody steps up, makes another play for them. So Kyron Williams for me. Oh, tell me about it. Kyron Williams almost single-handedly won me my fantasy game last week. So it was great to see him back in action against the Cardinals, producing like he had earlier uh, in the season. Now on to our dunce of the week. Who you got? Well, I mean, this is maybe just an easy, easy choice here, but I, I got to go with Mac Jones. You know, just what, what a story for this kid. You know, I, I feel for him a little bit. He's had a lot of different offensive coordinators since he's been here in the NFL, but he went from rookie year looking like maybe this guy's going to be the rookie of the year, looking like he could really be that next quarterback for him and everybody ticked off of how can they keep finding quarterbacks and that kind of stuff. And then he lost his starting job, you know, got benched there at halftime, went 12 for 21 for 89 yards and two interceptions, you know, Q QBR of 7.2. I mean, it's it's about impossible to get that low, and he did. Yeah, well, at least uh, the Patriots uh, lost so that they're still in position to get one of those top two picks and one of those uh, two quarterbacks, assuming both Caleb Williams and Drake May uh, declare. So that's the bright side if you're a Patriots fan coming out of that game against the Giants uh, last week. And my touch of the week, I'm just going to have to go with Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott, did you forget what happened last Thanksgiving? You had like 25 seconds left and a timeout left and the ball at your own 25 
against the Lions in Detroit. And Josh Allen ripped a pass like 40, 45 yards down the field to set you up for the game-winning field goal, which a Tyler Bass made. Why didn't you take that chance again? I don't care how badly it was raining. Jake Elliott kicked a 59-yard field goal right before that. You should have played to win and not just settle for overtime. When you have a gifted quarterback like that, you play to win the game for 60 full minutes, not 59 minutes and 40 seconds or something like that. That's all there is to it. And what's even worse, after the game, Eagles uh, left tackle Jordan Mailata said that they were shocked, and I mean shocked, that on the game-winning uh, touchdown run by Jalen Kurtz, that the Bills showed the look that they did because Jordan Mailata said, right when we saw that look, we knew that Jalen was going to score that touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Sean McDermott, we were talking about the Bills as Super Bowl contenders for the past two years, and now that window just might have slammed shut. And speaking of Sean McDermott, let's discuss the latest in the coaching carousel. With their loss to the Eagles, the Bills now have an 86.5% chance of missing the playoffs, according to DVOA and our man Aaron Schatz. And to make it worse, they are currently projected to be more than $29 million over the 2024 salary cap, according to OverTheCap.com. And thus, as I said, the Super Bowl window for this particular Buffalo Corps has most certainly reached its expiration date. Do you think it would be prudent for the Bills to fire Sean McDermott unless they miraculously make the playoffs? Yeah, I think you're at that point. You just got to start parting ways. Uh, you know, they th they caught fire having an offensive coordinator early on in, in Josh Allen's career uh, with Brian Dabble that really got the most out of him. But I think at this point, you need an offensive coach that can really come in be a voice for Josh Allen. And you saw that, that a conservative call. That's a defensive coach kind of mentality. Yeah. We're going to play for overtime. We're going to, we're not going to have this game breaking turnover. You think of the, the Jets game that they just watched. It was on that Friday or whatever, where they threw the interception at halftime. Yeah. Javon Hale, Mary pick six. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I'm sure that's, that's kind of going through a defensive coach's head at that kind of point. And we saw it with the Broncos when they were playing the Ravens of that divisional game. I right, remember. exactly. John Fox, another defensive guy. They're, they're great coaches. Don't get me wrong. But in today's NFL, you need some guys that are offensive minded that are willing to go for, go for the kill. You know, they're, they're willing to actually go win the game, not just play not to lose. And especially when you got a quarterback like Josh Allen, you got to go trust that guy. Like you yeah. paid him all this money to be a top tier quarterback. And then you're not letting him actually go do it. And you can even hear after the game when they ask him about it, like he said, it's the right decision. But you could tell, like just in the tone of his voice, he's like, no, that's stupid. Let me go throw it 40 yards down the field. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least let's not go try to just not lose this game. So I think it is McDermott's time to, to say goodbye. Yeah, I completely agree. Plus, you got to say goodbye to uh, GM Brandon Bean, too, uh, because that roster is headed to a salary cap crunch, and it needs a lot of uh, churning um, away at the bit, so to speak. Yeah, because he, he got an aging Bob Miller, a Tredavis White coming off another uh, season any injury, uh, taking up a lot of space in your cap. Uh, you might have to say goodbye to those guys sooner rather than later. So, uh uh, lots of changes are due in Buffalo, and the sooner they make them, the better. And last week on this program, 
We talked about just how hot Frank Reich's seat was in Carolina. And on Monday morning, after just 11 games on the job, Frank Reich received his pink slip from David Tepper. And the following day, Tepper gave a disaster. I mean, a disaster of a press conference in which he, willingly or unwillingly, portrayed himself as the guy calling all the shots in the organization, football and non-football alike. Keep in mind, the Panthers drafted Bryce Young because he was Tepper's guy and Frank Reich preferred C.J. Stroud. And according to NFL insider Benjamin Albright of KOA Radio in Denver, David Tepper once handed a diagram of a play over to the Panthers offensive coordinator a couple years ago and demanded they run it. So with an impatient, impulsive, uber-meddlesome owner like David Tepper in complete command of the operation, is this Panthers head coaching vacancy arguably the most unattractive job opening in recent NFL history? It, it's it's up there. I mean, you still have Bryce Young, who is a talented quarterback, yeah. and he's on a rookie contract, so you could maybe try to figure something out. But... We've seen in the past when an owner is this meddlesome, what coach wants to go work for them? Because you know, everything you, you do has to go through that owner, whether you like it or not. You know, you, you want to hire this coach? Nope. They like this guy. That's their friend of a friend that somebody else made a recommendation. And this is, this is always the issue of you and I've talked about this before. There's really th three things that matter in, in football. You have to have a great owner, great coach, great quarterback. You get those three things, you're going to win a lot of games. But if you're missing even one of those pieces, it makes it very, very difficult. And I would say, especially with owner, because of how much they can interfere in making good or bad decisions. You know, you think about Dallas. Yeah. Jerry Jones, for a lot of years, had a lot of power. Thankfully, his son has kind of stepped in and kind of vetoed his dad on a few things because nobody else could. Because Jerry Jones, it's kind of, you know, he wanted – uh how what was that johnny manzel johnny manzel yeah yeah uh, johnny money yeah <laughs> and like he would have handed in that ticket if, if he was the only decision maker but his son was like this is stupid dad we're not doing this and uh and so you know I, that's one of the worries i had with denver bringing in their new owners of what are they going to be like you know thankfully they've been pretty good about being kind of hands-off and letting the football people make football decisions but uh but it is, there's some really bad owners out there. And I feel for those organizations that have those, I feel for the Panthers who continue to find them in this place of overturning coaches and quarterbacks, all because the owner wants to, to have his stamp on this roster. Oh, you said it. And uh, Sunday night against the Ravens, the Chargers dropped another winnable game. And NFL insider Jordan Schultz of Leach Report confirmed uh, on Tuesday what we all knew, that barring a miracle down the stretch, Brandon Staley will be fired as Chargers head coach by the end of the season. But that said, on last week's show, Hal and I concurred that it may be wise for the Chargers to pull the plug on Staley as early as next Monday, should they lose to the lowly Patriots on Sunday, which would leave them at 4-8 and eight, with a playoff berth all but impossible. Do you think the Chargers should give uh, offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, who was a hot head coaching candidate a couple years ago, a four to five game tryout as interim head coach should they suffer their eighth loss either this week or next week against the Broncos? Yeah, I think you're at that point. Everything I've been hearing is he has completely lost that locker room. Like he tries to talk to players. They're like turning his, their back and walking away. Whoa. And when, when that kind of thing is starting to happen, I mean, th these are just little rumors I'm hearing, little trickets from from here and there um but you you can tell staley's just he's lost a voice in the locker room with these players they keep making the same mistakes over and over again 
you're seeing him with the media not handling it well. Um, you're just seeing the seams begin to unravel with a very talented roster. And we, like with the Raiders firing their coach, you saw a little bit of a resurgence for that roster, you know, a little bit of a, a pep in their step. And I, I could see the same thing with, with the Chargers if they make that kind of decision to, to get rid of Staley. Some of the players maybe, hey, let's come back into this. You know, maybe maybe it's they've just lost their season already and they're just done with it. But I, I do. I think that would make a difference. And like I said, Kellen Moore, maybe I, I doubt he's the guy, but at least you'd have a four or five game sample size where you could say, we know for sure whether he is the guy. And it's worth that just to know that. So you're not losing somebody that could be valuable for your organization. I 100% agree, Carl. And now it's time to play our favorite game on this program, truth or exaggeration. And here's how this game works. I make a statement and Carl, your job is to let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether you think I'm exaggerating and then explain why. And we start in Dallas where Dak Prescott, who has been absolutely dominant, and I mean dominant since that week five dud against the 49ers. And here's how dominant he's been. Since week six, Dak Prescott has an 80.7 QBR and no other quarterback is above 68. And Deron Bland last week broke the all-time single-season record for most pick sixes in a season with five. So truth or exaggeration, Dak Prescott is a top candidate for 2023 NFL MVP honors, and Deron Bland is a top candidate for 2023 NFL Defensive Player of the Year honors. I will give a, a resounding yes for Dak Prescott. Just he is. He's playing out of his mind right now. Uh, there's a couple other guys. Jalen Hurts, of course, is up there. Yeah. Um, Don't forget CJ Str Stroud, too, right. man. Patrick Mahomes, of course, is still having a great season. Yeah. Maybe not quite to that level. I think he'd maybe get more name recognition, per se, than he would really of what kind of season he's having. Um yeah, C.J. Stroud, another one that should be up there. Lamar Jackson, I wish he was putting up more numbers. Right now, his team is just so good, they don't really need him to be that great. But when he is when he is asked to do something, he is great. I think that's the only thing that's really hurting him. Um, but right now, I'd say it really comes probably down to Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott for that top spot. And I, I would give a little bit less confidence towards the Deron Bland, just because secondary players have a real tough time winning defensive player of the year. You know, yes, he's put up some incredible stats, but when you guys got guys like miles Garrett, who's out there just destroying an offensive line, putting up the stats that he's putting up uh, TJ Watts, another one, Th those guys get, those guys get the really sexy stats that everybody pays attention to. And they're just the, the more household names, you know, if Deron Bland was able to do this for two seasons in a row, then I'd say he'd get more of an opportunity. You know, a lot of times it's that first year. It takes people to kind of, you know, we want to see it more. We want to make yeah. sure that this is going to stay around. We don't want this to be a one hit wonder kind of thing. And so I think that's a little bit what's going to hurt him in that th those, those people that are voting for this, but he is definitely deserving of it with the kind of season he's having. Like I said, five pick sixes that I just, mo most players in the secondary, even the great ones, if they can have that in a career, yeah. let alone in one season, they, they would take that. 
Oh, most definitely. And moving right along here. Last week in Cincinnati, the Steelers in their first game of the post-Matt uh, Canada era on offense finally outgained an opponent, and they had over 400 total yards of offense. Talk about a turnaround. So, truth or exaggeration, the Steelers' offense has turned a corner, and they'll average 20 points per game or more down the stretch. I'm going to say exaggeration. That They're still limited just because of the quarterback. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just not a big fan of Pickett. I don't think he's going to be great on a regular basis. Um, and, and they have some decent defenses left to play. You know, New, New England, for as bad as they are on offense, there's still a decent defense out there. Yeah. Indianapolis has proved to be a very underrated defense. Cincinnati still has a good defense. Seattle has a good defense. Baltimore has a great defense. Yeah. And so I, I just feel like that matchup, like almost every team that you're playing still has an, a, a decent defense you're going to have to go against. And I just can't see him rising up enough to make this offense at least even presentable. I think this is one of those teams that's going to fall off as the season goes on. You know, they're, they're being saved by great coaching. Once again, I just, I, I see them being the kind of that nine and eight kind of team. That's, that's what they seem to be right now. Oh, you bring up a fantastic point there, Carl. And as Hal and I discussed on this program a couple of weeks ago, it would be absolutely foolish for the Steelers to not be big players in the quarterback market this coming spring, whether it be in the a big name of free agent quarterback market or in the first or second round of the draft. Yeah, what? I'm with you. They, they definitely have to look at quarterback. Um, Pickett, he's just not that guy. I, I didn't think he was in the draft, and he's proven a lot of the things that I thought about him heading into being drafted. Um, you know, they, they have some decent playmakers there, and he just he still can't do much with it. Yeah. And so they, they definitely should look at somebody. Oh, you said it. And don't look now, Carl, but I remember just a couple weeks ago, uh, you were in Denver to watch the Broncos play the Packers. And Jordan Love at that Packers offense looked absolutely out of sorts that day. But just look at the Packers in their last four games that they won three of them. Jordan Love has completed 65% of his passes for 1,107 passing yards eight touchdowns and two interceptions at every big name that digests the tape for a living. They think that the Packers just might have another long-term answer at quarterback. So truth or exaggeration, the Packers will make the playoffs as a wild card. I think this is truth. It's in part that they really do seem to have found something. Love seems to finally be seeing the field a little bit better and taking those steps in the right direction, but it's also a part of just their schedule. There might not be an easier schedule left in football. Like, yes, they have a tough game this Sunday versus the chiefs. Yes. That'll, that'll be a rough one for them. Uh, but then you got giants, Tampa Bay bucks who are very up and down Carolina Panthers, worst mm -hmm. record in football. Minnesota has lost the last couple games. So not sure exactly what they're going to be quarterback wise. And then, of course, finish off the season at home versus the Bears. You know, at this point, pretty sure the Bears are going to be out of the playoff race. So you might see quite a few of the young players getting in for them just to, you know, hey, we want to see what we got in these guys. It's not that they're tanking by any means, yeah. but it just could be one of those that they're just trying to evaluate more so than win. And so, yeah, I, I could see them closing out this final part of their schedule going maybe five and one. And that obviously gets them into the playoffs. 
Yeah, that is a very real possibility. And speaking of the Packers, the quarterback they just parted ways with, Aaron Rodgers, just 79 days after tearing his Achilles, is back practicing again for the New York Jets. This is absolutely remarkable. But here's the problem. The New York Jets are 4-8, and eight, and if they lose just one more game, their playoff hopes are all but dead. So truth or exaggeration? If the Jets lose this Sunday to the Atlanta Falcons, they should decide once and for all that Aaron Rodgers will not play again this season. The real decision is they should not play him. Um, to me, right now, they're already out of the playoffs. I, I think, I honestly think there's a 10-7 and 7 team in the AFC that will not make the playoffs. Just because there's so many teams all bunched up together there, there's going to be somebody that loses those tiebreakers. And, uh, and so if, if they're out of it, why even risk it? I, he says he's healed up. I'm sorry. I I'm going to lean on modern medicine today that tells us how long it takes to heal from a, an Achilles injury. And I don't think he's ready. And to me, you are playing for 2024. You can't go in this direction. You, you've got to be looking to the future. You've got to protect your quarterback. Like, even though he feels like he can play, you got to step in as a coach and say, I've got to do what's best for you and for this team. Yeah, but uh, here's a report that throws another wrench into the story. Uh, Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, two very underrated NFL insiders, said that Aaron Rodgers is itching to come back in part because he wants to show the Jets why they should keep Nathaniel Hackett after all. But Charles McDonald, another great football mind who's now with Yahoo Sports, uh, a couple weeks ago wrote an article saying that even Aaron Rodgers would struggle with Nathaniel Hackett calling the plays. Isn't that a fool's errand to want to play for your offensive coordinator, even if your team is out of the playoffs? You know, I, I appreciate his commitment to his friends. Yeah. You know, I, I think Aaron Rodgers has proven he's one of those kind of goes that uh, if you are his friend, like he will do anything and everything for you. But there's just a time where you have to say, like, you're a friend over here, but I've got a business thing going on over here. And sometimes if you try to mix those two things together, it ends in disaster. And, you know, you're seeing more and more the, the success of his work with, with Hackett was more of a Lafleur being a good offensive mind than Hackett being, you know, I think, I think Hackett was good as a calming voice you know, somebody that knew how to talk to Rogers and would keep him laughing and keep him relaxed for a season. But beyond that, obviously what he brings to the offensive table, not great for any quarterback. Oh, absolutely. And you see what Sean Page doing right now with Russell Wilson compared to what Nathaniel Hackett did with Russell Wilson. I don't care how to miss Russell Wilson is. It's just bad coaching, period. And that's all there is to it. And the Detroit Lions have been absolutely struggling as of late. Not only were they uh, torn to shreds by the Packers at home on Thanksgiving, since week seven, when they got to demolish by the Ravens, their defense ranks 31st in defensive success rate, 32nd in defensive EPA per play, and the quarterback's average time to throw is over three seconds, and they have allowed an explosive pass rate of 18.8%. So truth or exaggeration, the Lions will be one and done in the playoffs. I'll go, I'll go exaggeration on this one, just because that offense for them is still playing lights out, and I, I like a lot of the talent on the defense. So I think they'll get some things figured out there to get back more on track of what they were earlier in the season. But like I said, the offense is still, for the most part, playing pretty good. 
uh, you know, put up 41 points on the Chargers, 31 on Chicago, yeah. you know, still 22 in the loss. I mean, it's, that's not not great, but it's not terrible either. And so I, I think, especially with how weak the NFC is right now, I think they'll at least win one game, make it to the divisional round and lose there. That is a fair prediction. And last week, the Chiefs had one of their best offensive showings of the year. Uh, they were initially down 14 to zip to the Raiders in Vegas, but uh, they went on to score 31 points in a 31 to 17 victory. And a big reason why they found another passing game weapon outside of Travis Kelsey in rookie Rashi Rice. They targeted him 10 times last Sunday, and he caught eight of those targets for 107 receiving yards and one touchdown. So truth or exaggeration, Rashi Rice is the underrated key X factor that will determine whether or not the Chiefs make it to Super Bowl 58. I'll go exaggeration a little bit on this one. If he really does emerge as a true number one, then obviously it changes things. Um, he's kind of, he's still showing he's a rookie. Yeah. He does some incredible things and I think he's going to be a great weapon for them moving forward as hard as that is for me to say. But right now, because he's a rookie, I think there's still going to be some limitations to what they can do with him, especially when it comes to the playoffs and teams really clamp down. And I, I just, I know the chiefs are still winning a lot of games. But there just seems to be some missing pieces for them this year that haven't been there in the past. And I, I just I don't have them as a Super Bowl favorite in my book. Um, and now Patrick Mahomes, he can blow all that out of the water. Of course, you got Andy Reid, who's probably the best coach in football right now. There is no problem. He is the best coach in football. Um, and so th- they can cover up a lot of things. But I, like I said, I think they're still missing one key piece. And I don't think it's going to be Rushy Rice. Very fair point. And sticking in the AFC West for a moment, after years of frustrating play up front, the Denver Broncos now have a top 10 NFL offensive line. Truth or exaggeration? I think that's a truth. You know, Garrett Bowles, he's one of those guys. He he needs good coaching. And the Broncos maybe have found a top five offensive line coach because of just how much he has elevated all of these players. You know, Cushenberry, another guy that has been terrible. I mean, there, there's some backup centers out there that I would say could play better than him his first three years in the NFL. And now all of a sudden he's emerged as a top half of the league center. Quinn Miners, honestly, he has a real argument for being an all pro at the right guard spot. And McGlinchey, he's been very up and down. Don't get me wrong. Especially early in the season, he was way down. But each week, he's kind of, especially over this run of of five games, he's kind of improved his play. Ben Powers is another one. that It's kind of weird. The two free agents are the ones you could say are probably struggling the most on this offensive line with Ben Powers, Mike McClinchy. But even there, both of them have their strengths. And I think they've really shown as a unit, this has become a real strength of the team. Now, it's helped. They have not had any injuries on the offensive line. Now, knock on some wood, everyone that's a Bronco fan out there, because uh, I think there's only been like three or four snaps that anybody else has played on that offensive line. That's tops in the NFL. That helps when you can have week in, week out, the same five guys playing together. But because of that, they have turned into a top 10 offensive line. And last but not least, in truth or exaggeration, the 49ers and Eagles are on a collision course for a rematch in the 2023 NFC Championship game. Truth or exaggeration? 
I think that's the truth. You know, I, I think when you're looking at the the NFC right now, it, it's those two teams and everybody else. You know, Detroit has a little bit of an argument, but like I said, they've been kind of playing up and down lately, especially the, with that defense. Dallas could maybe be up there, but I, it's, it's still hard to trust them when it comes to the playoffs because they just haven't shown it. Dak seems to crumble in those kind of moments. You know, their coaching struggles at those times. No one in the NFC South. You know, it's one of those things. I don't think a team from the NFC South should make the playoffs, let alone <laughs> be in that kind of conversation. So it really does. It seems to come down to those two teams. And they've got great coaching, great quarterbacks, uh, great surrounding cast to go make plays, both offensively, defensively. It's just going to be hard to see anybody beating those two before the NFC Championship. You said it. And speaking of the 49ers and Eagles, they play each other this week, uh, Sunday late afternoon at the link. And let's uh, preview this game, starting with the Eagles for a moment. And good news for the Eagles today, all-pro right tackle Lane Johnson, arguably the best right tackle of the past decade plus uh, in, in the NFL, who definitely has a busted Canton waiting for him. He missed last week's game against the Bills due to a soreness in his groin, but he got in a limited practice today, which bodes very well uh, for his availability on Sunday. However, the Eagles still have a tremendous challenge on their hands in facing a 49ers pass rush that has been absolutely rejuvenated after trading for Chase Young. Since Chase Young joined the lineup, just take a look at what the Niners have done. They have allowed only 23 points, registered 15 sacks, and have forced eight turnovers all in a three-game span. Aside from forcing defenses to divert extra resources from containing Nick Bosa, how else has Chase Young helped transform this 49ers team, which looked absolutely lost during that three-game losing streak? Yeah, we, we've seen if a team only has one good pass rusher, teams can figure out how to game plan for that. Like you look at uh, Miles Garrett, I know a lot of teams still have struggled to stop him. But that's partly because they have other great pass rushers that teams have to worry about. The 49ers, before Chase Young got there, it was, let's stop Nick Bosa. Let's dare anybody else to beat us. And they they just couldn't do it. And so now you got Chase Young, who's come in and proven, hey, we've got this other guy that can get after the quarterback. Now you got to worry about him. How are you going to game plan to stop two of these guys? And it just makes everybody else's jobs kind of trickle down to, to be a little bit easier. And so, yeah, that, that was a great move by them. They seem to be one of the best teams when it comes to those midseason decisions to really amp up their team to another level. Oh, you said it. And uh, last time these two teams met was obviously in the 2022 NFC Championship game where uh, Brock Purdy has suffered that uh, toward UCL uh, in his elbow. And uh, barring another game-ending injury to Brock Purdy, how close can we expect this game to be? I mean, I, I think this is easily one of those it's a touchdown difference, you know, either way. Um, just because, again, you've got two great teams fighting for that top spot in the NFC. It's going to be a playoff at atmosphere and two great quarterbacks dueling it out. Some probably some of the most loaded weapons teams in football. I mean, oh, it absolutely. is just crazy looking at the star power <laughs> yeah. in this one. And and so it's just going to be fun to watch all these these guys out there. Who's going to make that big play for you? And uh, yeah, Brock Purdy, very underrated quarterback in the NFL right now, playing perfect, perfect kind of guy to work with Shanahan. That's that's a, a match made in heaven right there. Oh, it most certainly is. And now let's uh, take a deep dive into the matchups that are going to decide the outcome of this game. And let's start up front. 
Uh, when you look at that Eagles offensive line versus that 49ers pass rush, almost everybody's going to start with uh, the two tackles for the Eagles and Jordan Mylod and Lane Johnson against uh, Nick Bosa and Chase Young. But there's a very underrated matchup in the middle with a uh, Jason Kelsey, who is still playing at a Hall of Fame level after uh, 13 somewhat years in the league, going up against his former Eagles teammate, Javon Hargrave. These are guys that have faced off in practice uh, for the past uh, three years or so, and they know each other inside and out. So that's going to be very fascinating. And if Hargrave could get the best of Kelsey on half the snaps or more, that could be very decisive. Oh, for sure. You know, Jason Kelsey, I, I view him as easily the best center in football. You know, I think somebody the other day said that, that there's not another position that has the number one so much further ahead of the number two spot than that of Jason Kelsey compared to every other center. Ooh. Now, I maybe disagree with that because Creed Humphrey is such Absolutely. a great center. <laughs> but uh, but I understand Jason Kelsey is incredible. Javon Hargrave, uh, another just incredible player out there, can get after the quarterback, stop the run, all those kind of things. And so, yeah, that'll be a great battle there in the trenches. Maybe Jason Kelsey's toughest matchup of the season. Most definitely. And another uh, matchup when it pertains to the uh, 49ers uh, offense against the uh, Eagles defense is I'm looking at Darius Slay. And I'm wondering if an Eagles defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, is going to have him shadow uh, Brandon Ayuk for most of the game. Because uh, keep in mind, uh, yes, they do have James Bradbury, but Darius Slay is still the best cover corner on the Eagles roster. And uh, Debo Samuel isn't a guy that lines up out wide He just moves around. Brandon Ayuk is a better pure wide receiver than Debo Samuel, and he has just taken his game to a whole new level uh, this season. So uh, if you want to take away at least one weapon from Brock Purdy, it might have to be Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, so he he's on my fantasy team this year. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's been great to have him in the lineup. Um, you know, he had that injury in the beginning part of the season kind of dis dismantled a few things there for him. But no, he, he's an incredible receiver. Darius Slay, if he had to follow him one-on-one -on -one for the entire game, uh, honestly, I'd, I'd give the I'd give the advantage to Brandon Ayuk in that situation. Not because Darius Slay is bad by any means. He is having a little bit of a down year compared to last season. Um, but just because Brandon Ayuk is just such a great, pure, number one kind of receiver out there, can, can win with route running, can win with some athleticism, can win with just going up and making a tough catch for you. He can do it all out there. And so he's just a great receiver. Uh, like I said, love having him on my fantasy team. He's helped me win a lot of, a lot of weeks. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he has. And uh, sticking with the uh, 49ers offense against the Eagles defense uh, for a moment here, uh, Christian McCaffrey is arguably the straw that stirs the drink for the 49ers offense. Yes, Brock Purdy is the perfect quarterback for Shanahan. Yes, they have a lot of weapons, but the Kyle Shanahan scheme is run-centric, and they have the perfect running back for that offense, and Christian McCaffrey, who could absolutely do it all, and uh, the Eagles, they may have a rock-solid uh, defensive line uh, led by rookie Jalen Carter, but when you get to that second level, those linebackers, those linebackers are very, very iffy, and they got even iffier because Zach Cunningham might not be able to play uh, this weekend, so Christian McCaffrey if that Eagles defensive line uh, can't, can't uh, get to him by gap shooting, uh, those linebackers better be ready to tackle him or else it could be a very long day for the Eagles. It sure is. I mean, you're right. There might not be a better running back in football right now than Christian McCaffrey. Just his all-around game that he brings to the table. It's what makes him so special is you don't know what that offense is going to do when he's on the field. Are they going to run? Or are they going to pass? Where are they going to move him in the formation? 
you know, is, are they going to put him in the slot every once in a while? Just to, to make teams have to think about that for a little bit. Uh, it just, <clears throat> it makes life really hard on those linebackers. And like you said, if they're going to be missing Zach Cunningham, it could be a long day for that Eagles defense. And if they let Christian McCaffrey get going, I I have a hard time believing that the Eagles can win this one. Oh, I completely agree. And uh, last but not least in our uh, game deciding matchup profiles, uh, let's go back to that uh, Eagles offense against the 49ers defense. I look at the best uh, off-ball linebacker in football right now in Fred Warner, who both you and I were enamored with at the Senior Bowl not so long ago. And him matching up literally against Jalen Hurts because I could easily see Steve Wilkes, the 49ers defensive coordinator, designating him as a spy on several plays to make sure that Jalen Hurts doesn't go crazy with his legs. Yeah, you definitely have to worry about that, Jalen Hurts. I think the best coaches out there make that decision that we're willing to sacrifice somebody in coverage on some plays to at least let them come up here and make sure that quarterback does not get out of that pocket because. Like I said, th this year, you know, he, he's running maybe at the highest pace that he's ever ran in the NFL. And he's not running completely efficient, but I mean, he still has 11 touchdowns on the season rushing wise. And so you have to worry about him escaping with his legs. And Fred Warner, like I said, no better linebacker out there in football. I mean, I this is where I would say the biggest gap from number one to number two is off ball linebacker because he just is so much better than everybody else. He's smart. He's athletic. He's a great tackler, can cover, can come up, help in the run game. Just he does everything well at the position. I don't think there's a weakness to his game. And that's hard to say about a lot of players. Oh, it most certainly is. And now let's predict the winner of this game. I will go first here. I picked the 49ers to represent the NFC in Super Bowl 58 at the beginning of the season. And I am not ready to switch now. Yes, it may as well be the Eagles uh, in the end, and these are two very evenly matched teams, as we, you and I just discussed, uh, but the Eagles are going to have to eat some more humble pie sooner rather than later in order to fulfill their Super Bowl dreams. Yes, they have done an amazing job at dealing with adversity this year, but they're due uh, a little bit more humble pie in the meantime. And as you said, the Eagles uh, being banged up in that inside linebacker position is going to absolutely hurt their game plan against Christian McCaffrey. And that should be enough to give the 49ers an arrow win. I like the 49ers. I'm so torn. If this was being played in San Francisco, I would, I would lock in San Francisco pretty easily because it's in Philly. That adds a little bit new dynamic to this possibly. Um, but I do think that the Eagles have been playing a little bit of playing with some house money. You know, they, they've been winning some games that they maybe shouldn't have won, which is a sign of a good team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But especially against the, the 49ers here, I think this is one of those times we're going to get caught. I'm with you. I think that the, the 49ers have the right pieces to line up against Philly. Uh, I think this is going to be Philly's toughest matchup of the entire season. You know, they don't line up well against this team. They don't have the cornerbacks to completely keep up with um, with these receivers. Like I said, some injuries to that linebacker core that was already a little bit iffy. Christian McCaffrey is going to eat on that. And then the 49ers defense now taking that next step up. I I'm with you. I think I'll, I'll pick the San Francisco for this one, but it it's very close for me. That's why I think it's going to be like a, a three-point game, come down to a field goal. And unfortunately for the Eagles this time, they're going to be on the other side of it. Losing by a field goal kicker, make them one there at the end of the game. 
I am right with you. I have the 49ers winning by a field goal as well. And now let's pick the rest of these week 13 games, starting with our locks of the week. If you had to pick a lock of the week, who would it be for week 13, Carl? I'll go with the, the Dolphins over the Commanders. You know, the, the Dolphins, they struggle against teams with running, winning records, but obviously the Commanders are not there. They're 4-8 and eight this season. Dolphins feed on those kind of teams. They just go out there and dominate. And so I, I feel like the Dolphins, they've really, especially lately, been hitting the ground running. Uh, they're peaking, maybe not at the right time. They, they might be peaking about a month too early here. But uh, but I, I do. I think that they're they're really primed to have a big game, win by probably two touchdowns in this one, and just make I feel bad for Washington fans that continue to have to watch a bad, bad team on the field each week. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel bad for Washington fans as well, but uh, with the new ownership there, things should be better uh, this time around. I like the Dolphins in that game as well. I don't think it's going to be uh, close. Uh, the way that the Washington defense is right now, especially after trading away Monta Sweat and Chase Young, they are just absolutely terrible. Dak Prescott tore him to shreds last week, and Tua and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, Mike McDaniel, They'll be able to do the same to them. Dolphins uh, win uh, pretty easily, let's say 34 to 14 uh, over the uh, Commanders. And now on to our upset specials. What is your upset special for Week 13? I'll go Titans over Colts. This is another team that I feel like the Colts have been playing a little bit above where their real talent is. Uh, Colts are only a one-point favorite, so it's not a huge upset by any means, but still against a, a team that right now is seventh in the AFC. Colts would be in the playoffs if they started today. And of course, you got Tennessee there sitting at four and seven. I, I've really liked what Will Levis has been able to show on the field. I, I think he's proven that he can be their long-term starter moving forward. And, you know, it, it's not been always pretty, but it's still better than a lot of these other rookies that have had to come out there and play. And I, I feel like they're another team that maybe – Maybe their record doesn't always show exactly what they are. They played in a lot of close games this year. They've lost some close ones. Um, and they've won some close ones too. But it seems like they they keep them pretty close most weeks. And I feel like they're going to be able to come out on top against Indy here. Oh, you bring up a good point. But I just love the job Shade Steichen has been doing uh, in his uh, first year out of the job at Indy. And I don't see the train stopping uh, this week against Tennessee because uh, I think uh, – the Titans are still a very limited football team and uh, the Colts uh, were able to get the best of them last time and should be able to do so again. I like the uh, Colts uh, in that game. And now on to my lock and uh, upset special, my lock. I was so looking forward to this game on Monday night in Jacksonville, the bagels, the Jaguars, but then Joe Burrow goes down with a season ending wrist injury. It's going to be no contest. Jaguars are going to win very, very easily. It might be a little bit more low scoring than some people think, but the way the Jaguars defense is playing, the Jaguars don't need to light the scoreboard on fire, but they win pretty easily. Uh, let's say 27 to 13 uh, over the bagels. And for my upset special, Believe it or not, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers over the Kansas City Chiefs. Jordan Love has caught a lot of fire in these past couple weeks, and uh, Matt LaFleur uh, seems to uh, know him a lot better than he did uh, early in the season, and the young uh, weapons are stepping up, and I think that Packers defense is going to be able to do what the Raiders defense was unable to do last week in letting that Chiefs passing game catch fire. I think the Packers uh, keep the Chiefs passing game in check, and uh, the Chiefs defense keeps this one close and low score. I 
but I think the Packers pull out a 20 to 17 upset special. Who do you like in that game, Carl? I, I mean, I'll go the Chiefs still, just because they are the Chiefs. It's one of those, <laughs> I'm going to believe in them until somebody else shows me that they shouldn't be believed in. Um, and it is one of the biggest spreads of the of the week. I think the the Packers right now are or the Chiefs are a six point favorite in that one. Yeah. I think the only games that are a bigger favorite are your your lock Jaguars at eight and Dallas over the Seahawks. Really surprised on that one. Nine point spread for that one. Wow, some people really don't believe in what Seattle's been able to do this year. Um, but no, I I agree with you. I think Packers are showing some great things. Some of their young weapons are starting to really get it on top of Jordan Love being able to hit him for some nice gains. I, I just, I still think the Chiefs defense is going to be a pretty tough matchup for Jordan Love. And I, I feel like there's still going to be a couple explosive plays for that Chiefs offense. And I, I, I get it. I, I wouldn't mind this upset one bit. I mean, I, I'd celebrate pretty big <laughs> if I see this one happen. But, uh, but I still probably have the Chiefs win in that one. And uh, who do you like in the Jaguars Bengals game? Jaguars easily. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with you there. That, that should be easily the lock of the week. Oh, absolutely. We are simpatico there. And uh, you mentioned uh, the Cowboys Seahawks. That is the game tonight in Arlington as the Cowboys host the Seahawks. That spread might be a little too big. I understand. I think the Seahawks do keep it close for three quarters, but at the end of the day, I just, uh, Cannot see the Cowboys losing this game the way that defense has been playing all year long, the way Dak Prescott has been playing. Plus, the Seahawks defense just continues to underwhelm. They they have a lot of talent, don't get me wrong, but they just continue to underwhelm these past six seasons under Pete Carroll. It just drives you crazy uh, to an extent. Uh, it's close for about three quarters, but the Cowboys pull away in the end and barely cover the spread 27-17 Cowboys. There you go. There you go. Yeah, no, probably... Other than the Broncos right now, probably no hotter team in football than the Cowboys. Yeah. You know, they've won, what is it, five of their last six games. Their only loss was that close one against Philly that maybe they should have come out and won that one. Um, you know, played great on offense. Another uh, wide receiver I have in my team, CeeDee Lamb. Oh, he's balling that has this been year. A, a, he's been great this year, yeah. so it's been fun to watch him. Um, yeah, I have them winning. It's at home. For, for Dallas, short week, Seattle's going to have, they're going to struggle to to stop these weapons. It's another team that's pretty loaded, has quite a few options for them of, of where they can go with the football. And Dak Prescott playing at that MVP level and probably have never has never played better than he is right now. They've really figured out something with him. And they've just, it in their games recently, it's not been close. So I'm with you. I'd say that they win by at least 10. I'll go 30, 30 to 20 final score. And now on to the Sunday games, the Los Angeles chargers, a team that I have lost complete trust in travel to new England to play the lowly Patriots. Whose best bet may be just to lose out and get one of those top two picks at this point. Like I said, I still don't trust the chargers, but I just, there's a conspiracy theorist to me that doesn't believe that Bill Belichick is going to want to win any more games uh, this season to spoil that draft selection for the Patriots. Uh, it's going to be ugly and relatively low scoring, but the Chargers come away at the end 20 to 10. Yeah. I mean, the, the Chargers, it is, I, I, I can't really imagine being a Chargers fan. Yeah. I mean, no team has had some of the worst losses where a team is up big and somehow finds a way to lose. 
um, bad luck, injuries, bad coaching, bad ownership, you know, all those kind of things. And and they they've had usually like a top 10 talented roster. You know, you think about the the quarterbacks that they've had there, Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert, you know, Drew Brees before that. Yeah. They've had Hall of Fame worthy quarterbacks at the helm and they've had zero success with that. One AFC championship between the three of them, that's it. I I, I still can't fathom that that picture for them. Um but because the Patriots are just that bad, Chargers going to wait win this one. They've got a lot of offensive firepower. I think they're going to win this one. I'll, I'll go 27-17. And now on to the other game of the week where the winners' playoff odds go up drastically and the losers' playoff odds go down drastically. The hottest team in the NFL, the Denver Broncos, winner of five straight, traveling to Houston to take on C.J. Stroud and the Texans. And uh, don't get me wrong, Sean Payton deserves all the credit in the world for getting this much out of a roster that is rather middling talent-wise, especially after that uh, debacle in Miami. Most other teams, like 99.9% of teams, had they been in that situation, the season would have just gone down the drain from there. The fact that it did it for these Broncos just speaks volumes about Sean Payton's ability and why the Broncos are in good hands with him uh, going forward. However, there is a little bit of an asterisk to this five-game winning streak. According to your colleague at Mile High Huddle, uh, Eric Trigle, Trickle, that is, if you include the drives that end in a turnover on downs or a safety, the amount of drives that have ended in a turnover against the Broncos defense, 22 out of 64, which is 34%. That is an insane, astronomically impossible statistic that we'll probably never, ever see again in our lifetimes. And this week, they're going up against C.J. Stroud, who rarely, if ever, turns the ball over. And I unfortunately think the Broncos' luck comes to an end this week in uh, Houston. They keep it close for three quarters, but I think Houston pulls away in the end and wins by a final score of 31 to 20. I like the Texans. It's hard to disagree. <clears throat> you know, you're right. If there's a a bad matchup because the Broncos do need turnovers a lot of times to to win these games, this is a bad matchup that way. This is one of the the least turnover forcible teams in the Texans with C.J. Stroud. He's as calm as a cucumber back there. The, the guy just doesn't make mistakes. Um, having said that, that defense for, for Houston, pretty middle-of-the-road pack kind of defense. And especially against the pass, I think this will actually be maybe the best game of the year for Russell Wilson. I'm, I know we haven't got to it yet, but my bold prediction is going to, to involve Russell Wilson and the kind of game that he's going to have. Uh, this is on the road, so it makes me a little bit nervous for the Broncos. If this was in Denver, I would definitely be taking the Broncos just because we've seen really well of their communication that they work at the line of scrimmage. I, I do think the Broncos are going to be able to run on the Texans a little bit just because I believe that much in the offensive line. And I do think that this is one of those games where C.J. Stroud going to make a couple mistakes. Broncos are good at making teams, making quarterbacks, make some bad decisions that they don't make other times. And so I'm going to have the Broncos win in this one. I'll say 27 to 21. Ooh, we shall find out in the bowl predictions. But for now, let's go to uh, East Rutherford, where the Jets host the 
First place, Atlanta Falcons. And oh my God, this game is so, so tough to pick. Because yes, the Falcons may be in first place, but they've only won one more game than the Jets. And the Jets have a very strong defense. And the Falcons, for all their weapons and the talent they have on the offensive line, most only Chris Lindstrom, their quarterback situation is absolutely atrocious with Desmond Ritter. Like Kenny Pickett, he's just not the guy and you know what, but at the end of the day, the Jets offense is even worse, whether it be Tim Boyle or Zach Wilson, you just cannot trust a Nathaniel Hackett offense. You just can't. This is probably going to be the ugliest game of the week by far. But at the end, I think the Falcons find some way to win. Let's call it 13 to nine because of a good game from Bijan Robinson through the air and on the ground combined. Yeah, I'm with you. Low scoring game, bad quarterback play might even have to take a defensive or a special teams touchdown to, to score a touchdown in this one, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, but I'm with you Falcons win this one, just jets are just falling apart. You know, early in the season, they, they were able to kind of weather a little bit. They're able to work on some emotion and Zach Wilson was able to have a couple good games here and there. But since then it's just slowly trickled down. You're, you're seeing this team give up a little bit more each week. I feel like the Falcons because they're fighting for more. We'll find a way to win this one. I'll go, I'll go 14-10. And on Sunday afternoon in New Orleans, the Saints host the Detroit Lions in a little bit of a welcome home party for Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, keep in mind, he was the assistant head coach, tight ends coach of the New Orleans Saints before taking that Lions head coaching job. But you and I were talking uh, before uh, the we started recording this thing. And we, I bet you that not only do the Saints miss Sean Payton right now, they miss Dan Campbell too because that <laughs> offense compiles all these yards and yet almost can never find the end zone. It's just inexplicable. It, but it just goes to tell you just how much coaching matters. And yeah, the Lions defense has been struggling, but the Saints have been struggling even worse. Their offense just cannot find the end zone when they need to. And their defense has taken a step back in large part due to uh, age and the howling out of that uh, defensive line. And uh, I think that's going to really hurt them against the Lions. I think the Lions should be able to get back uh, to their groove and running the football in this one and uh, gaining chunk plays with both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs on the ground. And that's the difference uh, in this game. I like the Lions in this game, and it's not going to be particularly close. Uh, 34-20, Lions. Well, there you go. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I, I hate picking this many road teams, <laughs> but just the, the road teams, are, there's a lot of good good matchups for them in this one, and I'm with you, Lions. Going in the right direction for the most part. Their defense is up and down, but they're still winning a lot of games. Saints going in the opposite direction from what everybody thought was supposed to be a really promising season for them. You know, they had an easy schedule, got Derek Carr as their quarterback. Everybody just thought this is the year the Saints really dominate a lot of people, and they've just not been that at all. And so I'm with the Lions win this one. I'll go 24-17 for this one. Yeah, the Steelers uh, returned over to Pittsburgh to host the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, Jonathan Gannon can uh, get a lot of feistiness out of this team, even though they haven't won a lot of games this season. But I just cannot bet against Mike Tomlin in a game like this. Uh, he, he's my favorite coach in the NFL. No offense to Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. Uh, but he just knows how to get more out of less than perhaps any other coach I've ever witnessed. And he's showing it again this year. And the Steelers should absolutely uh, force Kyler Murray into a mistake or two that will prove uh, decisive. I like the Steelers at this game, let's say 23 to 16. As much as I want to see the Steelers lose, 
just <laughs> not, not because I do love Mike Tomlin as well. It just, it's hard for me to continue to see this team that is very middle of the pack talent wise, continue to really overachieve. And, uh, but even with Kyler Murray back, you're right. This team is still struggling. They're, they're still not great on defense by any means. And even with Kyler Murray, the, the offense has been average at best, you know, put up 14 points last week, 16, the week before that, um, 25, the week before that. And, you know, those are the three games with Murray. So it's not been pretty by any means. And so I, I think the Steelers will do just enough to, to win this one again. I'll go 17, 14. And on Sunday afternoon at SoFi Stadium, the Rams, who are still very much alive for one of those wildcard playoff spots uh, in the NFC host, the Cleveland Browns, who are banged up after a bad loss uh, in Denver to the Broncos, as I'm sure you know. Uh, not only is uh, Miles Garrett banged up with that uh, sore shoulder, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson is in concussion protocol. And if he can't clear the protocol this week, the Browns are going to start 38-year-old Joe Flacco in this game. And you can talk about P.J. Walker's shortcomings all you want, but I think it's kind of dumb to for them to start Joe Flacco here because because at least with Dorian Thompson-Robinson and P.J. Walker, you can keep the offense pretty much the same as it was under Deshaun Watson. But with Joe Flacco, who's an absolute statue in the pocket, as I'm sure you know from his a half a season in Denver, uh, it just removes a dimension out of the offense that you just can't replace and to expect him to fix this passing game is just fantasy man but that said whoever starts a quarterback with the browns as great as the sprouts defense is i just do not trust this offense at all i just do not and matthew stafford and cooper cup pupinakua and kyra williams should easily find a way to outscore the browns even in a low scoring affair 17 13 rams joe flacco I mean, I, I can't remember how many years ago it was with the Broncos. Just what, five, Four. five years? Four? Okay. Yeah. Four years ago. I mean, he, he was doing the self-sack. And not like Peyton. Like Peyton Manning, you're like, okay, at least he's producing. So you're okay with the self-sack every once in a while. Joe Flacco's not putting up any kind of stats and still doing the self-sack anytime he felt any kind of pressure, even if there wasn't any around. Oh, my God. And, and so now bad. you have Aaron Donald staring him down. Like Aaron Donald's not having his best season of his career by any means, but still he's Aaron Donald. There, there's still a fear factor there. And so I, I see Joe Flacco as seeing those ghosts and throwing maybe a couple of picks in this one and giving LA a short field, Matthew Stafford's starting to play some of his best football recently. And so I, I just, I think, I think this is a game where they're going to run away with it. Cleveland. I'm, I'm sorry to say this if there's any Browns fans listening, but they're they're going to trickle down. They're they're just I don't think they're going to be a playoff team when everything is done for. Yeah. Uh, there's too many other teams that are going in the other direction of looking like they're up, and uh, so I I'm with you. I'll, I'll go I'll go twenty to thirteen in this one. Rams win it. And last but not least, the Bucks host the Carolina Panthers at home in a uh, battle between. Uh, to uh, lowly uh, NFC South uh, division rivals. And uh, there's one side of me that wants to say, okay, the Panthers uh, have an interim head coach and uh, special teams coach Chris Tabor. They're going to get their energy this week and they're going to win. But 
I, you just cannot trust this team at all. And it's not Bryce Young's fault. Bryce Young, as I've said time and time again on the show in recent weeks, he was put in a textbook situation to fail. His offensive line cannot pass protect to save their lives. His wide receivers can't separate to save their lives. And what is going to change with the coaching change? Nothing. It's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game, but I still don't trust the Panthers, even with Frank Reich on. Give me the Bucs, uh, let's say, 20-16. to 16. You know, I, I thought about making it a bold prediction that the the Panthers would win this one. Maybe that upset alert. <laughs> Just in part because Baker Mayfield's hurt. Oh. So I'm not 100% sure what all he's going to be able to bring to the table. But the Panthers, they just, they look, I mean, you talk, we talked about it earlier. They look like the worst ran team in football right now. There's just complete chaos. And I feel for Bryce Young. I, I hate whenever a young quarterback steps yeah. into that. You know, yes. we've talked about it before, Justin Fields. You know, the, the Chicago just did not do a great job of always surrounding him with talent. You know, this is the first year where they finally went and got him a receiver, but he's been hurt half the year. So it's yeah. been frustrating that he hasn't got his opportunity yeah. to show exactly all that he can bring to the table. And I'm afraid Bryce Young's running into that same problem. No talent around him. Quarterback or coaching situation that's up and down. Owner that's all over the place. So I'm going to go with Bucks. I'll go... Another 13-10 kind of game for this one. And now on to our bold predictions for week 13. You go first here, Carl. It has something to do with Russell Wilson, I believe. Yeah, so he has not had a 300-yard game here this season for the Denver Broncos. I think this is that first game where they go out there and, and he has a 300-yard game. Um, the Part of it is that the, the Houston defense, not great in the secondary. They're not great at getting after the quarterback. Um, now th they have a couple pass rushers that are good, but beyond them, they, they just don't have a lot there. They're one of the worst pass rushing teams in football. And like I said, they've been giving up a lot of yards in the past game. I think they are like bottom five, bottom six in pass yards per game. They don't give up a ton of touchdowns, which is, you know, part of that bend, but don't break. And I feel like the Broncos are going to want to try to open up the pass game just a little bit more in this one, hit a couple big ones down the field. Yeah, Marvin Mims, I'm going to predict that he has a big 50-yard or more touchdown in this one. And I think at the end of the day, Russell Wilson has over 300 yards and three touchdown passes to really help the Broncos get over the top of Houston in this one. All Broncos fans, including me, hope you turn out to be right there, Kyle. <laughs> and my bold prediction concerns our game of the week between the 49ers and the Eagles. Christian McCaffrey is going to register 300 total yards of offense, 150 yards on the ground, and 150 receiving yards. And I think that's very doable due to those uh, linebacker injuries for the Eagles. And he scores four touchdowns, uh, two of them rushing, two of them receiving including the game winner on fourth and goal from the two as time expires to give the 49ers a 31-28 win over the Eagles. That is my bold prediction. And now on to our challenge flags as always to conclude our program. I will go first here. My challenge flag goes to the Detroit Lions. 
rediscover that kneecap fighting mojo. These last two games, you've let yourselves be pushed around by the Bears for nearly the entire game and by the Packers for the entire game. This is inexcusable for a Dan Campbell coach team. And you've got a golden opportunity this week in New Orleans against a team that is really struggling to stop the run. Get back to that kneecap fighting mojo, which means beating guys up front of the line of scrimmage and running the ball down their throats. Do it, Lions. Rediscover that kneecap fighting mojo and beat the Saints this week. That is my challenge flag. What about you, Carl? Well, I, as much as I don't want this team to win, because it, like I said, it does hurt the Broncos' playoff chances, I'll go to the Browns. I, I think their game plan against the Broncos, one of the worst that I've seen this entire season. You know, you have a backup quarterback that's been struggling, and you have one of the best rushing teams in football going against the worst rushing defense in football. And you have an offensive line that's dominating. You got a couple running backs that are out there having some really good games for you. And you decide, let's go throw it 40 times in a game. Like that, that was just horrible, horrible decision. And like I said earlier, Joe Flacco might be starting this game. How do you help him? You don't have him go out there and pass 40 times when he just got to your building here like a week and a half ago. You say, no, we're going to lean into this run game. We're going to trust our offensive line that is one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in football, and we're going to get back to just our power football where we want to bully people. These last couple of weeks, they've gotten bullied on the field. They, they've gotten away from what got them to, to be in 7-4 and four at this point. So uh, for me, I think that would be my challenge is Browns, get back to what you are good at. Understand who you are as a team and do that. Essentially the same challenge flag I threw, albeit to a different team. Totally agree with you there, Carl. And he is Carl Dumbler, ladies and gentlemen. Catch his work at milehighhuddle.com and follow him on X at Carl Dumbler, M-H-H. Carl, thank you so much once again for filling in. And that's it for today here on Sports Crutch. But Hal returns next week as we recap week 13, preview week 14, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on X at Decrom59 and on Instagram and now threads at Sports Crunch with Decrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Carl Dumbler, this is David Cromlow saying so long and whatever you do, please choose love, please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, and please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in any sport. Until next time, Cats Kittens, stay cool. Yeah.